Hola familia de Heritage, les saludamos en el nombre de Cristo Jesús, nuestro Salvador. Hey Heritage family, we greet you in the name of Christ Jesus, our rescuer. I want to say welcome to all of you who are joining us across our Heritage family. Vida Nueva, our brothers at the Kiwani IDOC facility, and all of you joining us from wherever you are as we press into this opportunity to gather, even as we're apart, together. You know, if ever we needed this, the reality of Jesus as the one who sees us, who loves us, who rescues us, it's in these days of heartache, hardship, and division. Heritage, for the last several years, has been pressing into those spaces, bridging gaps of division, of brokenness, of injustice, and of breaking in relationship where we believe that Jesus actually wants to bring us into fullness of life together. In fact, one week from this Sunday, on June 14th, we are going to pause and gather together in small circles of relationship at our Bentendorf and Rock Island campuses for communion together, where, marked by the broken body and shed blood of Jesus, we will consecrate ourselves to the good work of life in circles together, of being those who bridge the gaps of brokenness in relationship, in justice, and in so many ways around us. You're not going to want to miss that opportunity, but in order to participate in it, you'll need to register in advance. You can do that at heritageqc.com by clicking on Life in Circles or by using the Church Center app. That is going to be one of our first opportunities where every week we're going to be connecting together in these circles of relationship as acts of incremental re-engagement in our physical spaces for worship and connection. In order to get the most up-to-date information on what those opportunities are and how to register, how to take part in them, you'll want to connect at heritageqc.com in the Life and Circles tab or using the Church Center app where you'll have all of that information right at your fingertips. If you use Church Center, download that app in the App Store for your smartphone and then choose Heritage Church right here in the Quad Cities. One of the other opportunities you'll find on our website for connecting in meaningful ways is actually by serving as a hospital encourager where we're partnering members of the Heritage family with healthcare workers right here in the Quad Cities where we can send notes of encouragement, let them know that God loves them, God sees them, and we see them. It's a great way for you to expand your circle of connection and relationship in these days. In the book of Revelation, there's a moment where we see a picture of heaven. On earth, there is division and brokenness, heartache and hardship. And there's a question asked before the throne of God. Who is worthy to advance the cause of God on earth? Who is worthy to address the brokenness and pain and heartache and hardship? Who can do it? And the answer, of course, is Jesus. By his gift of life and his shed blood for us, Jesus is the one who is worthy. The one who heals our brokenness, who brings us into unity, and who calls us to more than we could ever imagine on our own. This next song is an opportunity for us to reflect on and declare that truth together. So press in with us. Do you feel the world is broken? The shadows deepen. Do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? Do you wish that you could see it all made new? Groaning is a new creation coming. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. 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 It
sing songs that help us process the difficulties of life and the triumphs and victories as well. Where we can sing is all creation groaning for more, for newness. It is. And we can point to God, the one that brings victory in the midst of turmoil and strife. And scripture allows us to do the very same thing. It gives us words to help us understand and process the difficulties, the trials, the brokenness that we sit in, but yet continues to point us to the God who brings victory. And so we're gonna listen now to a scripture that, that does just that, helps us sit in the difficulty and points to the victory of God. And it's gonna be read in different languages from different tribes and nations around the world. And so I invite you to listen and to step into this time with us. You have rejected us, O God, and broken our offenses. You have been angry with us. Now restore us to your favor. Hiciste que la tierra temblara y se abriera. Cierra ahora sus grietas, pues se desmorona. Tidal espitar narodu tvaimu shistokaya. Napail nas vinam izundenia. Nangma antimin hatsa a melchunak napun. 
Siman Selo and Ilidi and Ragnasinakan and Zamtiam my prayer in the desert when all that's within me feels dry this is my prayer in my hunger and need my God is the God who provides this is my prayer in the fire in weakness or trial or pain there is a faith proved of more worth than gold Find me, Lord, through the flame. I will bring praise. I will bring praise. No weapon formed against me shall remain. I will rejoice. I will declare. God is my victory and he is This is my prayer in the battle When triumph is still on its way I am a conqueror, co-heir with Christ So firm on His promise I'll stand I will bring praise, I will bring praise No weapon formed against me shall remain I will rejoice, I will declare All of my life, in every season, you are still God, and I have a reason to sing, I have a reason to worship. All of my life, in every season, you me shall remain. I will rejoice. I will declare. God is my victory and he is here. I will bring praise. I will bring praise. No weapon formed against me shall remain. I will rejoice. I will declare. God is my victory and he is here. My prayer in the harvest when favor and providence flow. I know I'm filled to be emptied again. The seed I've received, I will sow. Come, set your again increase in us we pray unveil why we're made come set our hearts ablaze with hope 
like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are, Lord, we are your church. We need your power. kingdom first we hunger and we thirst refuse to waste our lives for your our joy and prize to see the captives hearts released the hurt the sick the poor at peace and we lay down our lives your church, your people to, to continue to bring justice and peace and reconciliation. And so we will join together with believers all across the world praying the prayer that you, Lord Jesus, taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil for the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. friends, we all know that life happens in circles of relationship. Relationship with God, with other people, even the dynamics within ourselves. Uh, life happens in circles and all of that is possible because of what Jesus does. He makes it possible for us to live in relationship with each other, which is one reason why we're so passionate about chasing after Him in all of our relationships. We know that in the circles of relationship, it's a space that, that God brings His power and His favor and His provision. Those spaces are places that we can thrive and not just have to try to survive. Yet in these days, as our community and as our nation continue to process tensions and issues around race and loss and authority and equality and, and even issues around a virus, these circles can break apart. The tensions can cause them to actually fracture. So we wanted to have a conversation, a couple of conversations that help us understand how to do life in circles. Now I want to start that by really inviting us to do something that Jesus never had to do. I want to invite you and I, me and you, to do something today to be intentional in choosing to do something that Jesus never had to do so that we can be like he always was. Now you're hearing me correctly, but let me just say it again even a little bit differently. There is something that Jesus never had to do that we do. <laughs> and you may be thinking that that would be asking for forgiveness because it's true he never sinned, it's true he never needed forgiveness. That is true, but what I'm actually talking about is something different. What I'm referring to is this, to seek to understand more than be understood. To seek to understand more than be understood. Jesus never had to do that, but you and I do. See, if we want to live in healthy relationship with other people or even especially with God, to live a life of love that reflects Jesus in what we say and do, we must seek to understand more than be understood. Yet the truth is that is probably simultaneously the most simple yet most difficult thing we're positioned to do in these days, to seek to understand more than be understood. See, one of the things about Jesus, Jesus understood everything all the time. He was and he is God. He, he always understood. He didn't have to seek to understand. When it comes to the idea of seeking to understand, Jesus never had to do that. He, fully God, fully man, understood everything all the time. So he didn't have to try to understand us or to understand the dynamic or even understand himself. He knew it. He always has known it. He still knows it. But for you and I, we have to seek to understand. He, he, Jesus positioned himself so that we could understand him and understand ourselves. He didn't need to seek to understand, but he positioned us to understand him and to understand us. See, we need to actually end up doing the opposite of what Jesus did. Jesus always positioned us and others to understand Him and to understand ourselves first. And what we need to do in our dynamic is to be willing to seek to understand more than be understood. Jesus was someone who positioned others to understand because He knew we needed it. He, he's not someone who needed to understand. He is someone who already understood. That's the uniqueness of who Jesus is. So we're positioned to do the opposite, to be like him. We need to seek to understand more than be understood. So while he sought to be understood, first and foremost, we're positioned to seek to understand him and others. To understand first, 
If we're going to live like him, love like him, be like him, we're positioned to seek to understand more than be understood. Now that thinking, that priority, that posture is actually being put to the test in our world today in lots of dynamics. In issues of race and power and government authority, individual rights, even community needs. All of those spaces are putting that under pressure. And wherever people are not willing to seek to understand first and are actually prioritizing to be understood first, it creates a space where the circles of relationship can fracture. Relationships are breaking. Even the journey around COVID alone has been a space where many relationship circles are fracturing. It's happening in marriages, in friendships, in families, and it's all created space for reconciliation, the need to reconcile. It's created space for the need to find forgiveness. And as we talked about last week, how we handle forgiveness matters. We looked specifically at how it's essential if we're going to mend the relationships that are in our world. Forgiveness is required, not only for our relationship with people, but even our relationship with God. It's a process of intentionally seeking to give and to get forgiveness. However, it will also require an intentionality to seek to understand more than to be understood. Yet, there's a right way, and I believe there is a wrong way by which we can seek that. There is a productive way and a counterproductive way. There is a constructive and a destructive way that we can seek to be understood and to understand. And I'll tell you, the Bible is always helpful in helping us understand how to do things in life. And this subject is not excluded from that. It's included in the dynamic. And I want to look at something today that is, that is written in Scripture, said by a man named Jim. He's actually a half-brother to Jesus. He's the second son in the family of Mary and Joseph, and his, his name is actually James. And he, in his lifetime, would go to lead significantly in the early church in Jerusalem. But he writes something that we know as the book of James, and within it, he says this. This is James chapter 1, starting with verse 19 and into verse 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone... Everyone, all of us, should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, okay, I realize that that may not be a popular scripture in these days and in these dynamics, but it is certainly a relevant one. Being quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry is foundational to living in the context of relationship with others, especially if we want to be like Jesus in how we relate, and definitely in spaces where there is brokenness and there is pain and there is injustice, especially in spaces where there's any level of loss or disappointment of any kind. And what James is saying here, he, he's, he's not saying specifically or just talking about how we avoid conflict. That's not what he's simply doing here. He, he's I mean, it actually can help us avoid conflict to do what he's doing, but he's not even talking about how to be nice or how to, how to simply not be self-centered. He, he's actually talking about understanding, about how to understand. Here's the nuance. Being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry only works when we're willing to seek to understand more than be understood. It only works when we're willing to do that. We can't do what James says if our first priority is to be understood rather than to understand. And, and in that space, when it's inverted, when we're seeking the wrong thing first, that's where anger and, and even our talking can get in the way of understanding. See, to be really clear, James is not saying don't speak. He's not even saying don't get angry. Rather, he's saying listen more. He's saying listen first. There is a time to speak especially in spaces of, of wrong or injustice, even in misunderstanding. Our voices are important, but that's why listening is so important. It's a bigger game changer in the dynamic than the other things. You know, one of my greatest sorrows in this particular season, aside from the issues around health in the pandemic and even the cultural stresses and tensions of our day, my greatest sorrows is that the people of God will likely end up more angry than holy in this season, more divided than united, more frustrated than humble. I mean, time will tell because there's still space and time for us to choose and to make some decisions in it. But by choosing to seek to understand more than to be understood or not, 
that choice frames and shapes whether the difficulties that we're in are going to refine our relationships and deepen our faith or undermine both, both our faith and our relationships. See, friends, we belong together, you and I, all of us. We are created by God and for God, yet we're set to, sent to live in relationship alongside and, and with other people who may not look like us, who may not act like us or think like us or even just simply agree with us. But we're still called to be people who are willing to seek to understand more than be understood. We're still called to consider others better than ourselves. Even if others aren't willing to do what James is actually saying, we're still called to do it. And although in the original Greek, when, when James is speaking about to listen, there's no specific object that he gives in the original language, it's very clear in context. There are three things he calls us to actually listen to. One is the voice of God, the other is the word of God, and the third is one another. To be quick to listen in those three dynamics. My friends, listen, we belong to each other. And even though our brokenness and our dysfunction, which we all have, can make it more challenging, we're still called to do it. That's why James's admonishment is so important. Look, I just want to take a moment to explain something about understanding. Again, Jesus didn't have to seek to understand. He made himself positioned to be understood and so that we could understand not only him, but ourselves. But anytime that we engage in a conversation, anytime we engage in a relationship, we're positioned in a dynamic that we need to understand. When somebody says anything or shows us something or declares something or cries out, whenever something is offered into the paradigm, we're positioned to make a choice. And the choice is whether we're going to listen or not. If we're willing, in, in a dynamic where somebody says something, shows us something, reveals something to us, cries out in their pain and anguish, we have a choice of whether we're going to listen. And when we choose to, to listen and choose to understand more than be understood in that space, this space here is the space of understanding. This is the space of value. This is the space that we demonstrate that we care. When we're willing to see and we're willing to hear and we're willing to hold the space and preserve the space that allows a, a, a giving and receiving dynamic. When we're willing to listen, then understanding takes place. And the crazy dynamic about this is when we're willing to do this, it actually creates space for us to be understood in the dynamic and relationship that we have with someone ever. This is the place of connection to be willing to listen, to, to seek to understand more than just simply be understood. And we're willing to hold and preserve that space. Then actually the space for us to be understood is also preserved. It's actually positioned to, to be realized. I mean, people still get to choose how they're going to respond, but we're called to be people who are quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. And I want you to understand that, that James's words they're not just rules or restrictions. They're an invitation to wholeness. The, the choice to listen is a game changer. It changes dynamics. It creates a space for God to work and move in it. And James isn't just restricting behavior. He, he's actually creating a, a space of invitation to wholeness, to be willing to see, be willing to hear, be willing to care, and then we can experience fullness. Because without understanding, without being understood, we all end up lacking. And when we speak out of anger in particular, that can be destructive and not constructive. So my friends, be quick to listen because it makes the difference. It creates the space for greater understanding. And if we're willing to do that, we're willing to do what James says, well then we create a space to be understood as I said. People still choose. But even if the other person doesn't choose well, we can. We can. And when we do, then the Holy Spirit has a space to show up. In, in the space of being willing to listen, First, to listen more. We create space for better things. We create space for understanding and relating and loving. And more importantly, we create space for the Holy Spirit to do work, for the Holy Spirit to show up, to bring things like love and joy and peace and patience. In fact, in Galatians chapter 5 is a very specific list of things the Holy Spirit brings into a dynamic. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of those things 
are things that function in the space of seeking to understand more than be understood as we choose to listen. But let me just say, in the midst of the complexity of our world right now, in the midst of pain and crisis and frustration, for those of you who are sitting in spaces where you feel like you have been misunderstood and not heard, I want you to know that we see you and we hear you. And I want to thank you for your patience as we seek to understand and to listen as a people, as a community, and as a nation. And for those of you who are actually positioned by God to listen more, maybe even to listen first in this dynamic, maybe you're in a space where you don't understand the pain or the frustration or the lament that you're observing. You, you don't understand what's still not understood in the conversation, whether it's around race or law enforcement or around equality. In all of those spaces, I want to invite all of us to choose to live specifically into the words of James together, to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, seeking to understand more than be understood. As a church, we're actively right now speaking and interacting with community leaders to create space for redemptive and healthy conversations. I'm looking forward, if we can organize these things, to, to be able to share with you those conversations that will position all of us to move forward in healthy and redemptive ways amidst the complexities of living and doing life together. I look forward to sharing those in the days ahead. But I also understand in the midst of all these conversations, some of you may be asking, why is this such a big deal? Why is this such a big deal? Well, I want to tell you one reason why many of these conversations matter so much is the simple reality that knowledge does not equal understanding. Knowledge does not equal understanding. To have information, to know facts, to be aware of details is not the same as understanding those details or the dynamics or the facts with them. We tend to think it is the same, but it's not, and it often is confusing for some. Now, let me just show you an example of what I mean by knowledge is not the same as understanding. And I want to do it with a very simple illustration, maybe even oversimplified. This is a, a simple tablespoon. There's nothing special about it. It's just a metal spoon. And you know what it looks like, and you can see it looks normal. It's not bent or anything. And quite honestly, you have an understanding. You know some things about this spoon. But what if I actually take a moment to simply do this with the spoon? Now what do you know? You're processing what you're seeing. You're processing what's happening. But do you actually understand? See, the reality is the spoon is not bent. It looked like it was bending. And, and you still know the facts that you had. Knowledge doesn't equal understanding. It's true with this spoon. It's also true in some of the dynamics that we're dealing with as a nation and as we relate to people. The, the reality is you know some things but you don't necessarily understand. We all struggle with that. You can see this and you can process, oh my goodness, he's bending the spoon. But in reality, the spoon's not bent. It's not a trick spoon. See, we don't necessarily understand what we know. Knowledge is not equal to understanding. It's not the same as having understanding. Even if I, in this dynamic with the spoon, I, I mean, you're, you have a limited perspective. I'm showing you just the front. But if I actually turn and show you that as I bend my hand down, I'm dropping the handle, so that it looks like it's bending, but it's not actually bending. From a different angle, it looks different. You have a different level of knowledge. You also have a different level of understanding. And some of you are still trying to figure out what just happened with the spoon. <laughs> but I want you to understand something. This is not a conversation just about a spoon. This is a conversation that positions us to understand others, to position us to understand our dynamic of relationships and circle, because knowledge does not equal understanding. It's true for the spoon, but it's also true for some of the things that we're struggling with as a nation around race and authority, around law. And truly understanding, not just knowing, requires seeing. It requires hearing. It requires feeling and relating and not just knowing, which is one reason why James says, listen. He says, don't react. Don't be too quick to move away from listening so that you can understand. But he also says it's so that we can live as God desires because we just go back for this, to the scripture for a moment in verse 20. It says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. It doesn't. Instead, it leads to fractures of relationship, broken circles of connection. Knowledge does not equal understanding. So, we need to seek to understand more than be understood, especially when it comes to Jesus, especially when it comes to Him. He, he already understands. He knows us better than we know ourselves. So listen, 
Listen to the word, listen to his voice, listen to understand. And not just to him, but also to other people. Because without it, our circles of connection break, but they don't have to, even if we don't agree. They don't have to. In Matthew 18, Jesus says something. He says, when two or three or more are gathered in my name, man, I'm there, (laughs) which is super cool. He's present, which then means our circles become the context for his presence. Our circles of relationship become the context for his presence. Living linked in a circle of any size is a space to thrive because it's where he helps us. He shows up and he helps us live life fully, not only in relationship with him, but relationship with those around us. It's a space where we can seek to understand and not just seek to to be understood. It's a space to listen more. And so I wonder, I want to invite you just to process where you need to, this week, expand your circle of relationship, to expand your circle of understanding. What do you need to do this week to expand your circles of understanding with other people or with God? Where do you need to listen? Listen first, listen more. We're not made to do life alone. Yet in the difficulties of today, we may be tempted to not just social distance, but to relationally distance from one another. But God sent Jesus to restore relationship. So in a space where you may be tempted to pull back relationally, I want to invite you to have the courage to seek to understand more than be understood. And it may help to remember that God went first in that. God sent Jesus to restore the broken circle of relationship with him and position us to do the same with others. Regardless of their color, regardless of their politics, regardless of so many other things, if we'll just be willing to listen to seek to understand more than be understood. Be willing to listen first, to go first. Jesus went first in risking in love and grace and reaching. He goes first in those things so that we too can go first in our relationships with others. What do you need to do this week to expand your circle of understanding, your circle of relationship? And as you process where and how you need to expand your circle, I want to take a moment to share with you how we as a church are intentionally and incrementally moving to expand our circles again as we move towards in-person gatherings. I know for some that seems like a small issue amidst the other things of the day, and for others you've been waiting, and it's, a, it's about time in your headspace that we actually articulated how we're going to be able to get back together again. Now, we sent something out a little bit earlier this week. You may have seen it, but in these dynamic days, I want to create the space for you to see and hear what our plan is and to understand what our heart is as we move towards re-engaging, incrementally expanding our circles and doing life together. So sit back for a few moments and take a look at this. Hey, Heritage family. Man, I miss you. I've been praying for you and hope you continue to know the peace of God that transcends all the complexity of the season we're in as a community and as a nation. For some of us, it's become even more real and personal just in the last few days as our regional authorities have implemented a local curfew. As they work through the ways to respond to a variety of expressions of unrest, all of them birthed out of pain and loss and fear. But all of that also reminds us of the need to pray, to ask God to do what only He can. Beth and I shared some about that in our midday prayer time on Monday, and I encourage you to check that out online if you're interested. Yet in the midst of all of that, can't wait for when we can all be together again, to see each other in person. Our Life in Circle series that we're starting this weekend will provide a framework for us to move forward as we expand our circles in an intentional and incremental process. It's our journey in June. And I wanted to specifically share with you how we will be re-engaging our in-person gatherings. We're intentionally not using the terminology reopening because as you've heard us say many times, the church is not closed. We've not been closed. For the past three months, we've loved and served each other and our communities in a variety of ways. And we've served tens of thousands of people across the Quad Cities as we've fed and cared and supported families and individuals in need, all while still offering our weekend services online and on local television. And I wanna thank again our tech team, our worship team, our entire ministry team for the work they're doing to continue to serve us all in this season. It's not been easy, but it has all been worth it. I also wanna thank you for praying, serving, and for being generous with your giving. 
It has enabled us to reach further in the name of Jesus and to help more people than we ever have as a church family. It's been pretty amazing. Yet, I think we all know, it's been hard being apart, not gathering together in our buildings. And as great as our online services have been, worshiping remotely is just not the same as worshiping together, in person. God moves uniquely when His people gather. He is not limited by any distance, yet something special happens when we come together and lift the name of Jesus, which is something we all desperately need in these days. Now, initially we thought it might be best to wait to gather again as a church family until we could do so in a manner that served our church family really well. At first, we weren't even sure if we would be productive or it would be feasible for us to come back together as a church if we had to adhere to lots of restrictions. But what we've discerned as a team is that it's best to start moving forward by rebuilding our gatherings slowly. Now, I know you already know this, but your spiritual health and physical safety are of our highest priority. Even as we've been caring for those in our church family who have had COVID-19, we know of more than 40 people, some who have and are facing some difficult battles, more difficult than others. Yet again, we care very deeply about you and your family, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So for the, for the past few weeks, our leadership team has been working on a plan for moving back toward in-person church services again. We've consulted with medical experts, local authorities, our denominational leaders. We, we've been learning from other churches around the nation and even other organizations to make sure we're considering the realities and accessing all the current information in order to steward this journey well. We've also sought to learn from those who've already opened and we're ready to start incrementally moving forward in re-engaging, expanding our circles. Now, one caveat, caveat in all this is that our plan is based on what we know now. And as much as we all want absolute certainty amidst so much uncertainty, we're going to continue to monitor the health of our church family our community and our cities. Where we're going to continue to evaluate the plan on a regular basis because as we've all seen, that information and those dynamics can change rapidly. So we've built pauses in our engagement rhythm to evaluate and listen as we move forward. We want you to know that we are prepared to adjust if something significantly changes. But we've got a plan and here it is. We're going to start in-person gatherings with prayer and worship services beginning Wednesday, June 10th at our Bettendorf campus. And then Wednesday, June 17th at our Rock Island campus. Both of those will be outside services and they will be an important opportunity to seek the Lord together. Those initial gatherings will include social distancing and other practices, yet will allow us to begin to incrementally expand our social circles. See, as a church that connects with thousands in our community, we believe it is important to start smaller before we reconnect on a larger scale. Yet these few moments, first few moments, will still provide a great way to worship and pray and connect in person, especially for those of us who are just ready to get back to reconnecting sooner than later. After that, we will continue to incrementally expand our opportunities to connect. You can see, along with the initial outdoor moments, we want to invite you to incrementally engage in different opportunities in our facilities. Those will be around communion and prayer, serving and worship, as well as moving toward river baptism. Each of these moments will be offered at different times across our network, and we invite you to engage at the campus of your choice. You'll be able to check our website and social media for additional details, even reserve time slots for your convenience at those events that have those opportunities, all as we move forward. Now, when it comes to our weekend services, we believe it's best to wait a bit longer. And we're planning to start having limited Sunday gatherings at our Rock Island and Bettendorf campuses beginning Sunday, June 28th. These gatherings will be shorter and still look a little different as we remain committed to systems and practices that we need to use to ensure we're not adding complexity to ourselves or our, our communities. And in all of these initial opportunities, we won't be offering separate childcare or children's ministry. Until we can safely assume responsibility for your children, we won't be reactivating our kids' spaces. Yet, right now, our plan is to be able to do that in September, as we still monitor what our community schools are doing along the way. 
Now, additionally, I know that there are churches with different timelines and strategies. Some are meeting earlier, some may be waiting longer. But because of our size and our presence in multiple cities and states, we believe this is our best path forward. We're going to post additional information on our website about all the opportunities, about the ways we're preparing our spaces, and how we're working to keep everyone safe, along with lots of other helpful information about our journey of expanding our circles as we return to full engagement across our network. Having said all that, I want to encourage those in our church family who are more vulnerable, like the elderly, those with pre-existing medical conditions, or who have compromised immune systems, to please continue to worship with us remotely in this season, by television or online. We're specifically staying on local television through August, and we care deeply about you, and we don't want you to feel any pressure to travel outside or to gather with others right now. We'll continue to provide our virtual connections for you and anyone else who prefers to worship at home. And just as a side note, for the churches that have opened, who are opening sooner or perhaps even later than we plan to, I want you to know that we love you, we respect you and your decision, and we stand with you in these dynamics, dynamic days. I believe that every church is just trying to do what they think is best in a complex and layered reality. And in each of those spaces, I want to invite all of us to be generous in extending lots of grace. So Heritage family, let's continue to seek God first. Let's consider others before ourselves second. And let's passionately follow Jesus as we incrementally expand our circles. As we do all that, please keep praying for our church, for our communities, and our nation. We all need God's wisdom as we seek to move forward. And even though we've not been together, I and the ministry team have been praying for you. We love you, we miss you, and we're looking forward to what God wants to do in and through us as we continue to move forward in the days ahead. Blessings, my friends, to you and yours, and we'll see you soon.
Friends, we want to stay connected with you. We can't stress enough how important it is in this season for you to download our Church Center app or connect into the website often because we're going to be communicating frequently about all of the things that we're going to be doing as we enter into re-engaging as a church community. You know, Pastor Sean talked about our Life in Circles journey, and we just want to let you know that this guide is going to be available on our website or at our Bettendorf uh, Prayer and Praise this coming Wednesday uh, for you to work through over the next four weeks in your circle of connection. And so we want to invite all of you to participate with us in this Life in Circles journey. You know, we couldn't think of a better way to open up our buildings than to do it um, in, a, in a space of communion. Communion is that celebration of the circle of connection that exists with, with God and us and also with, with us together. And so we just want to remind you that registration is open now. You're going to want to jump on the app or the website and do that. Um, but come prepared with a heart to consecrate yourself again to what God is wanting to do in and through you and in, in and through our church family in this coming season. I love you and I can't wait to see all of you in person together soon.